We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host tonight, my partners in crime, Steve Goldstein and Michael Stewart. We are here to look back on the 2020 Los Angeles Rams draft class. It was quite the weekend. Some surprises, some that weren't so surprising. Check it out, Mike, first, how you doing? 
Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be on. And, man, excited to uh, talk about this latest draft round or rounds uh, of the Rams. So uh, excited to get going. And were you just busy with tension all weekend? Were you, like, at the edge of your seat or were you surprised? Were you what? Uh, just, you know, a little of both, you know, the, the, the thing was one, just seeing how the format was going to work with, you know, no actual place. Uh, so that was kind of cool to see the, the way they, they did it on, you know, live TV and, and split up and you got to see some coaches in their offices, some at home, uh, different things like that. So that was pretty, but pretty neat, but, you know, ultimately I think we'll, we'll be able to, to, to look at this draft a little bit more in depth today and just talk about one of our, our thinkies was just trying to figure out which way the Rams were or now are going. So I think we can kind of make some measured guesses on which way they're going. I think so too. And I think this draft sent a bigger message about where the Rams feel comfortable than about where they don't feel comfortable. That's just my opinion. Steve, your thoughts Man, I am so fired up about this draft. I, this, this draft, they, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed this draft. So I'm really, really fired up about it. I, It's not just the guys that they, they took, but it's the positions that they addressed in the draft and where they addressed them. Uh, for me, that was, the, that was the key to it. And I'm really, really excited about this draft. And, and hopefully, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But but at first glance and, and, and looking at everybody and, and knowing who was available when they were there to pick, uh, I think they nailed it. I, I think they nailed it. And I, I th- actually think this was a very easy draft for them because I think everybody kind of came up the way they, they thought it, would, it would, would come up. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, and for me, I wasn't surprised really by almost anything. There's one thing that surprised me. I'll explain that one as we get more into it. But before we do, we just want to remind you we're sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollow's team. We also want to remind you that we're all we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Apple Music's the big one. We still have that contest going more and more and more and more. We're getting those reviews coming in. So I'm going to ask you to please go over there, leave us a five star review. It has to be written. Take a screenshot of it, send it to us in an email to ramstop1945 at gmail.com with a copy of that, and we will go ahead and enter you into the contest to earn a jersey from nflshop.com. And who knows, maybe the jersey will wind up looking like gold, awesome, amazingness, or maybe it'll look like a train wreck. We're going to find out. Maybe a train wreck. We'll find no, out. It's going to be fine. It's, it's going to be great. So... First things first here, breaking this thing down. I'm going to Mike first. Steve, we, we talked quite a bit throughout the draft early on, and, and I got some of your thoughts. We haven't heard Mike's yet. And right away, the Rams go, I think, where some people were surprised and some people weren't. Steve, you and I weren't surprised they went running back here. Some folks were. They go Cam Akers from Florida State. Mike, what'd you think of the pick? 
Uh, I was uh, really surprised. You remember we talked last week, uh, and Ed Rusher was was where I would have gone. And running back was down low on my list, figuring that we have. But, you know, it's kind of like talking to my son, and he's like, well, Dad, it must mean that they're not real happy with, with Mr. Daryl Henderson. But, you know, some teams like to go with this mantra of we just bring in more competition and bring everyone up. So, uh, but I was a little bit, bit – uh, surprise it at, at the running back position at that position sure was. What surprised you the yeah, most about the pick overall? <laughs> what, what, surprised, what surprised you the most about the pick overall? Well, it's just the fact that uh, a good running back, don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, we had Daryl Henderson, you know, we have Brown coming back, guys that have now been in the system. Uh, since Ed's rusher, they did address it uh, a few picks later, which is cool. Uh, but, you know, you had some guys that were still on the board at that time. You know, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Josh Uche, Terrell Lewis, Zach Bron, you know, those guys were still on the board at that pick. And to me, again, my position would have been edge rusher. I would have snatched one of those guys instead of a running back. So, Steve, this didn't surprise you. You no, were on the running back thing from the get-go. What made it stand yeah. out to you? I mean, I, they've, they've already have said that they're going running back by committee at this point. So there, it, there's no longer going to be uh, your Todd Gurley carrying the ball 25 times a game. It's going to be much like a lot of the other teams in NFL who have gone the same route running back by committee in which you'll have a guy getting 14 carries, maybe another guy getting 12, maybe Malcolm Brown comes in there for, for a couple of goal line or short yardage situations. But this is the way it's going now, and, and they are going to share the wealth, if you will. And, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter you, run, you, you ride the hot hand, but the running back by committee I think can be very effective. And I think you keep guys fresh not just in the fourth quarter, but I think you keep them fresh towards the end of the year. And I think you extend guys' careers. And you have two different – I mean, Henderson and, and Akers are are similar in some respects, but in, in others they're not because you got Akers who is, uh, you know, very, very shifty, is a great pass protector, by the way. He, is, he was one of the better uh, pass – protection running backs in in the draft so daryl henderson i think struggled with that a bit last year and i think that was part of the reason why you didn't see him on the field that much because they could not trust him to protect their franchise quarterback so i think that's a big deal for for the rams and i'm sure henderson will be better at it this year you know obviously another year in the system uh and knowing that he in order to get reps he's going to have to be able to be in there on downs where they're going to throw the ball and he's going to he's going to need the pass protect so i really love this pick this was a pick if you chose an offensive lineman as some people were saying that offensive lineman was not going to get on the field in 2020 because there's nobody there at pick 52 that is going to be better than what you already have on the roster the other uh, point uh, about an edge rusher, yes, I think if there was a a great edge rusher, if you had a pick in the top half of 
the first round, you could say edge rusher was in play where you could maybe get a, a running back in the second round. But they didn't have that first round pick. So they were pretty much left with choices at running back, which to me, they were it was Dobbins and Akers. And they were pretty much one and one A. And they obviously went with the, with Akers because Dobbins went three, three or four picks after. But I think this was a position of need. And it was a position where Akers was one of the top guys left in the draft at that point. So I think those two things converged for them. And I think it worked out really, really well for them. So that that's the reason I, I wasn't surprised. And, and that's the reason I really liked the pick. This one was difficult for me because I have bias towards J.K. Dobbins. However... I think in the case of what the Rams are trying to do, what they're looking for, Akers is probably a better fit. It doesn't mean Dobbins would have done any worse out there, but just a better fit for what they're trying to do. And I agree, too. I think the Rams have made it clear now that they're not going to put in you know, $16 million into one contract for running back anymore. They want to have... A committee of weapons. They're, the main point of the Rams' offense has been deception. The ability to make opposing teams think about so many different options and so many different plays that are available that these defenses freak themselves out, that they don't know what's going to happen. So it makes a lot of sense to be able to offer three different types of guys on running back. I just It seems to be the reality to me that the Rams are going to keep going that way. Yeah. I, I think this is the, the, at least in the, in the short run or maybe even in the longer run, the, the plan, because now you have two backs who are both really young and both on their rookie contracts. So I think for at least the next three, four years, this is going to be the tandem uh, for better or for worse. But I think, this is this is the way it's going to be, and I actually I actually like it. I, I I'm actually warming up to the idea of having two guys and possibly three, and they still have John Kelly on the roster as well. So you never know, you know, what injuries come into play, um, and, and 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 now you might need another guy. But I think having three solid, more than solid choices in my mind, because Malcolm Brown can do a lot of things the other two can't. Uh, I think I think really bodes well for the offense. It does. And by the way, for whatever reason, and of course this happens with the live podcasts, having some issues connected with Mike, Mike just is gone off the call, trying to get him back in here and get more thoughts on on where the Rams are going. In the meantime, we'll, we'll move on to, this, to the next pick. Five picks later, the Rams go wide receiver. And it's an interesting wide receiver and that the Rams went with somebody with a comparable. And that is dun 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 a certain gentleman from Florida. Van Jefferson and a pristine route runner. What did you take from the Rams taking him? Because I have some different thoughts. Yeah. You know, we it's funny because we were doing the, the podcast as as the pick was, was coming up and I had thrown in, we, we were kind of going back and forth between, you know, what position, you know, whether it should be a linebacker, or it should be an offensive lineman, wide receiver. And we, I think we both kind of, everybody had kind of 
said wide receiver was the way to go at that point, considering what was on the board. And I had mentioned, you know, Van Jefferson as a as a Cooper Cup type of a guy. And of course, that was that was the pick. And if you look at Van Jefferson and you look at his his tape, and first of all, he's a son of a coach of a, of a, of a former player, Sean Jefferson. So he's been running routes since he's ten years old. He is probably the best route runner in the draft. Uh, Jerry Judy and, and Jefferson were the probably the two best route runners in the in the draft. Um, he's got great hands. So all of a sudden, you got a guy who's very similar to a Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Disciplined routes, excellent hands. Maybe not a, a, a over the top you know, stretch the field type guy. But I'll tell you, I, I've been watching some of Van Jefferson's um, highlights at Florida and he, his speed, you know, he might time four or five, five in the 40 or four or five, three, but he plays a lot faster than a four or five, three guy. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's, he's Tyree kill, but he is the guy that can absolutely, um, uh, spread the spread the um, or, or scare the safety a bit because I think he is he is a guy that you know ha- has deceptive long speed. So did something I, else uh, scare there too? I, that did, that did was s- outside. Uh, <laughs> that was. Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I got I got to close. I close the window. That was actually a neighbor. Um, so so <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so anyways, I, I am really happy with this. What what you also have to think about is, is not just for 2020, but we have to think about what our roster at wide receiver is going to look like in 2021. And I made the point about Josh Reynolds and the point that they might not be able to sign him after this 2020 season because he will be an unrestricted free agent. And with all the other needs that they have, if Reynolds has a, a decent even above decent year, it's it might be hard to sign him for um, for the 2021 season and beyond. So, I think this is where Van Jefferson is going to be uh, very valuable because he will be a guy that Jared Goff can trust. He will get separation. He will catch the ball, even as as importantly as getting separation is actually being able to catch the ball once you do get that separation. And he is a guy like Woods and and Cup that that 16 will be able to trust. So I, I like this, this pick a lot. Okay. So Mike, what are your thoughts? Welcome back, by the way, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Van Jefferson pick? And what do you think this means for the Rams offense? Well, I, I, one, I think it's a good break pick in the sense of you got a guy who has played, you know, in one of the top leagues, if you will, uh, SEC started out at Mississippi, I believe, and uh, you know comes from great pedigree. You know, his dad, Sean Jefferson, played a number of years in the league. So you put those things together. You know, good size, uh, great speed. You know, good hands. So call his favorite route is running a slant. So uh, that means he's not. Scared to come inside, mix it up with backers or whomever else is inside, and so that should be a, a great win for us. As far as overall, I just think it adds depth. Uh, again, when you're running three receiver sets consistently 
with three wide outs, you know, you almost kind of need to be rotating those guys. You know, you're running a number of downfield routes, uh, which uh, Mc- Coach McVay kind of likes to do. Uh, so ultimately, I think it's going to be great. Some people are worried about, oh, is Cooper Cup going somewhere? Oh, are they going to do this? Yeah, I don't think so. But you need more than just three receivers. You know, we got a good fortune that we have some some decent backups, but we need to find out uh, what those guys can do when they're really under the gun. It's a lot different when you're just practicing and then you get in some spot play as opposed to you got to show up every day, practice every game and and be effective. So I would say more than anything, uh, Coach McVeigh and the staff, they're definitely looking to get the offense back rolling. And I think this is a great position, you know, along with, again, I, I would have took a linebacker first pick. But, you know, again, you got uh, competition at the running back position as well. So all, all that breeds to – Meaning most people aren't going to come in there slacking off because if you want to get you a position, now's the time to go. So, yeah. Can, can, can I add one, one other quick thing on Van Jefferson? Um, and that's he is a great special teams player. He was he's the gunner. He was a gunner on their on their punt coverage team. And the fact that he gets just great release off the line of scrimmage the way he does naturally uh, makes him a really good candidate for the punt coverage team as as one of the gunners. So he's going to lend a lot of um, value in terms of the special teams uh, for 2020. So I, I just think that's something, uh, another thing that's that's overlooked because, you know, when your fourth receiver is active on game day, he better be able to play special teams as well, right, Michael? I mean, you, you'd agree with that. And um, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He also can you know return the ball and perm return. So if uh, Mr. Webster's not, not doing a job out there, you know this is another opportunity for a kid to get in there uh, in in a first year playing role. So yeah, he put all those things together. Anytime you're playing special teams, you know that typically signifies you're not an I guy. You're more of a we guy most times you know guys who are starting they're not trying to play special teams especially as a gunner you know but he's played in the florida heat Uh, obviously they play florida state and a lot of games in heat humidity so when you're able to play in those type of conditions then i'm going to put my hat on that you know he's a guy who can come out and he's going to work hard day in and day out all right so here's the thing and i i and I could be wrong on this. I could be totally wrong on this. But I believe that Van Jefferson was drafted to replace somebody. And the immediate thought's going to be, well, Cooper Cup. Well, no, I think the Rams have every intention on keeping Cooper Cup. You mentioned Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is a different receiver than Cup or Van Jefferson. He's the person who could and has been expected in the past to become a deep threat downfield. But somebody else's contract's coming up soon, too. And he's his contract is widely viewed to be one of the cheapest for his value contracts in the league, and that's Robert Woods. They're not getting him cheap again. And he's still their second-best receiver, sometimes first-best receiver on this roster. The, you guys mentioned a couple of times Robert Woods 
Cooper Cup, Robert Woods Cooper Cup. I'm seriously thinking that the Rams are also looking ahead to when they have to replace Woods because they cannot afford to go pay the guy $11, $12, $13 million when there are other types of players similar to him out there that are going to be cheaper if they want to be able to compete for titles long term. I don't know if you guys have thought about that, but it just kind of stared me in the face. Cooper Cup's younger. He's a little faster than he was before. Robert Woods is getting towards 30 and up now. I mean, at some point here, you got to think about those things. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think they're thinking, uh, you know, that that's that's three years away. I, I don't think they're really thinking that far in advance in, term, in terms of Woods. But they're, they're definitely thinking about a year in advance with, with Reynolds possibly not being there. And the fact that Cooper Cup along with Jalen Ramsey, are going to be their two targets that they're going to have to sign. I think in their minds, those are the two guys that are first and foremost in line for getting an extension. So I, I don't think it's, it's really... What are you talking about? Woods Robert factor. Woods' contract is up after 2021. It's not a few years away. It's two seasons away. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're talking for the 2022 season. I, I think I think the the, the cup... And the Reynolds contracts are the reason that they, and particularly the Reynolds contract, because Cooper Cup's not going anywhere. Let's be honest. Van Jefferson wasn't drafted to replace Cooper Cup. It's really, it's really the Reynolds pick. So I don't, I don't think they're looking two years ahead. I think they are looking one year ahead. I mean, a lot of things can happen in the next two years or once after the twenty twenty two season. So um, I think that. Uh, this this was a, a good a good value pick, not just a good value pick. I think it was just a good pick. I think he, he was he was an obvious obvious choice. So I, I don't really think that um, the Robert Woods look like Michael said. You you need to have you always need to have depth. We they're gonna McVeigh loves his wideouts. He loves having at least three four guys there all the time. Uh, they might run a little more twelve personnel where they have two tight ends this year, and which will go to some of the comments we have about another pick that they had later in the draft. But, uh, I, you know, McVeigh likes his, he loves his wide receivers and he loves his guys who can separate. He loves his guys who know the game, who he's not going to have to worry about running the wrong route because, you know, he, he didn't pick up the, he didn't pick up the audible. So I think this is a perfect pick for them. I don't disagree. But what I'm trying to say overall, though, is if you look at, what the Rams have right now in terms of getting a route runner at receiver, they're, they're still missing the guy that's supposed to be able to extend the field, who's able to go vertical. The only receiver on the roster who's shown any potential at all, and this is through, and this is from his draft process, is Josh Reynolds. They'd never used him that way, but he is that guy. When you have already have two prototypes who are very similar in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and one of them is going to be much more expensive just two years on the road. The Rams are trying to clean up this salary cap. To me, it makes a whole lot of sense to to be thinking forward down a yonder, forward beyond 2020 and 2021 to where very shortly they're going to have major extensions coming up for Ramsey, etc., I got to think about this stuff. And I'm totally fine with being wrong on that. And I might, there's a good chance I'm wrong. But a thought did cross my mind that it's not what people think it is. 
I mean, just want to point that out. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I see both sides of the, the the argument. What you have to always look at, at the end of the day, a lot of it's going to come down to team chemistry and the quarterback when you're talking offensively. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Jared Goff has a lot of say in what's going on offensively in regards to players. Uh, but the fact you're bringing out, Derek, that there's a financial uh, component to playing in the National Football League called the salary cap. That being the case, what happens if, you know, both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods just have these just dynamic, outstanding years next year? Or Robert Woods, let's be specific, since his do up a little more. Uh, you're going to have to pay him or you're going to let him go. You know, so... That therein lies where it can get real dicey. You may want to, and you hear it all the time, man. We would have loved to keep him. It just, you know, unfortunately, we just couldn't couldn't afford him. So uh, that being said, you know, as a player, you can't really worry about that. Your thing is, I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna get paid here, or I'm gonna get paid somewhere. So, yeah, I think there's a definite. Uh, Something you have to look at in regards to how the calorie, the salary cap will be, you know, next year and so on before. And and never forget, there's always ways if you take the Bill Belichick way and the Patriot way is we don't wait till a guy is done. We get some form while he still has a lot of value, quote unquote, in getting a deal. So you never know. Could be a deal in the works with some of these picks the way that they kind of lined out or, you know, before that first uh, trade deadline. So putting all that there, now going to that third round pick, guys. And that third round pick is where we finally get the edge rusher we've been looking for, but it's an interesting one. Terrell Lewis from Alabama, round three, pick 84. He is regarded as a first round talent but he's been unable to stay healthy. Mike, I'm coming right back to you. What do you make of this pick? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of those picks that you're looking at. If it pays off, we are going to be gold. If it's one of those that this guy is just one of these type of individuals or players that someone has the injury bug then obviously it's going to look like a wasted pick. But if it pans out, it's going to be probably one of the the best picks of the draft, at least for the Rams, uh, to get a guy uh, like him with the ability to do, do the things he's done when healthy, you know, at 6'5", 260-something pounds, 33-inch uh, arms, and, you know, just a very gifted athlete, uh, it all comes down to can he be healthy? You know, one of the things I know about NFL teams, they're going to always lean to we have the best training staff, we have the best this, we have the best that. We'll be able to keep you healthy. So that being said, if the guys stay healthy, it's going to look like a steal. If it doesn't, it's going to look like what were we thinking? All right, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with Mike on this one too. Um, this could be a, a big time home run with pick number eighty four. 
uh, Lewis was, has always been a very highly regarded, he was a highly regarded recruit at Alabama. He's always been a very talented player. Nobody ever questioned the guy's talent. And, and you know, one of the best edge rushers in, in college football. But, of course, the injury bug has been his problem. And if he can't stay healthy with how long he is, how big he is, how quick he is, how active he is, um, his arms... His arms are super long, so he's a really good tackler. Uh, if if he can stay healthy, he is a home run at this position. And it was, you know, a position of need, depending on how much you like what's on the current roster. Uh, this is a guy you cannot pass up on because I, I think you do take a, a, the risk here of, of – I think this is a good risk because – I think they do have some guys already on the roster, like Obo and and Samson Ibukam, who they really both still like. And Ibukam was a a starter in in 18, so they still have him. And they get Leonard Floyd for this year. Um, So I I think they like the guys they have. But but this guy, if you could just – he doesn't even have to play a lot. He could just play in situational pass – pass rush downs uh, and you just play him once in a while I mean this guy could be a ferocious pass rusher and he's good against the run too so it's it's not like he's a stiff against the run but you know if you could keep this guy healthy uh, this is a huge huge win and could be like Mike said one of the one of the steals in the draft because this guy's got pro bowl potential no doubt so I'm on two I'm of two sides on this and they're really just questions that come to mind. A, was he the best edge rusher available? Yes or no? Can you guys confirm or, confirm or deny? Was he the best edge rusher available at the time? Steve? If you, take, if you take the injury factor out of it, I would say yes. Because if you take the injury factor out of it, and I know injury factors is a big, big IF. But... If you take that out of it, yes, he was. And, and and because most people would have taken him in the first round or at least projected him into the first round if he did not have the injury history. So then if he is the best available, then I guess you have to be okay with that. But given, in my view, the Rams' serious need for edge rush, this is a risk. It's a, it's a huge risk, and they have to be able to manage him. And it, kind of, it came to mind, like I'm thinking about, they just got done trying to load manage, quote-unquote, Todd Gurley. And now you're bringing another guy with an injury history because of his upside. So how do they handle that to make sure that he's successful, that he's physically conditioned well, that he is able to, be, to carve out a nice, good career at the Rams? That's what comes to mind. I'm, I'm not against the pick, by the way. It's, they're just question marks that come to mind. This is not a Debbie Downer moment. This is not me saying they should have done it. This is me saying I, I'm really curious as to how they're going to go about ensuring this kid is healthy as much as possible when he's had such a hard time already, especially when you are really, in my view, pinning a lot of hopes on him coming in and doing some magical stuff. The Rams lost Corey Littleton. They they lost Dante Fowler Jr. They let Clay Matthews go. A large portion of their pass rush is not back from last year. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. But they have to be able to provide something outside of Aaron Donald in order for this defense to be successful next year. And so I really wanted to know what their thinking is and how they're going to get this kid healthy for 16 games a year. Michael, any thoughts on that? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, you had us is, muted. Come on. You had us muted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it happens to, again, a healthy guy steal. Because if you're if you're thinking about, hey, was there a better-ass rusher? Well, there was definitely a better-ass rusher in, in round two. So then it becomes, hey, we didn't take that guy in round two. We're taking the guy in round three who was technically probably first-round talent. So in that sense, yes, it's going to be a steal if this guy stays on the field any amount of time because, again, with his wingspan and his ability to to create half from from that edge position and, again, what the new uh, D.C. likes and, you know, those type of players, it's it's a win. Again, it's if, but it's if anybody, if you come in healthy in the league and, you know, some. Something unfortunately happens from the injury. That's the one thing you can't factor in or out of uh, with any certainty. And so you just have to somewhat feel like, hey, we're going to make sure he's strength. He's in the you know best condition physically, mentally, and strength wise, so that when time comes to play a 16 game season, the guy will be there. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, there was it, it, Derek, you were talking about, was he the best guy there at the time? And I think that's what we're talking about, obviously. So for me, there was there was one other guy that was still there who actually got picked five or six picks after after we took Lewis. And that's Jonathan Grenard from Florida and another SEC pass rusher shocker. But this guy was really productive at Florida. And he, he was a guy who could have been there and could have been on their board. But everything being equal with Lewis and Grenard, and when I say equal, I mean being healthy, Lewis by far is the, is the more talented pass rusher, the more talented football player. It's not even not even close. So sometimes you have to take, take a risk. Um, and like I said, I think maybe you don't take that risk if edge rusher was – number one pressing need like you didn't have anybody there who couldn't do the who couldn't do the job but in my mind or at least maybe in the rams minds they have at least two guys in in ebucom and oboe along with leonard floyd if we could throw him into the mix that can do the job so we already have that so this guy we're only going to need maybe for depth and for situational pass rush um then then I think it's worth the risk. You know, the other thing about about Lewis is he he's so versatile that a lot of times he actually lined up inside in Alabama's defense and rushed the passer from in between the tackles. And, you know, guys like that are hard to find because he can do it. He he's got the strength, he's got the power to to go out, you know, between a guard and a tackle and get into the backfield. So I I I know I have my rose-colored glasses on sometimes, but I absolutely love the pick. I love the value, and I think it's um, it, it, it was it was a it was a good choice. Now, if he ends up on injury reserve and, and doesn't play more than two two three years in the NFL, then you could say another uh, you can have another opinion. But 
that being said, this is 84 in the draft. It's not like it was, you know, a top 20 pick. This is number 84. So I think at 84, you can take the risk. So that takes us to pick 104. And this is where I saw, I saw a lot of criticism for Jefferson. I saw criticism for this gentleman. Fourth round pick, Bryson Hopkins from Purdue. And I, I'm going to go to Steve first. What what did you take from this pick? Wait, did we we skip Terrell Burgess? Oh, did I did. My bad. My, I apologize, everybody. I'm human. It's okay. I'm human. We're but, here. We're here for you. Let me flip Derek. it around. We're, we're here for you. This is the one that this is the pick that actually a lot of people loved. That was a, yeah. a great value pick. This is Terrell Burgess from Utah, round three, pick 104. Uh, in our conversations, I asked you guys. What are they going to go out? And I think both of you told me safety, and they went out and got two in this draft. So, yeah. Steve, I yeah, yeah, I uh, and I was Mike. I was listening to the podcast you you were on with Derek uh, last week, and, and you were talking about safety as a need, and and you nailed it because that was exactly my thought as well. That they needed to draft at least one safety, if not two, and of course they did end up drafting two, but. This was a position where you pretty much right now, before the draft, only had two viable safeties uh, with, with Johnson and, and Taylor Rapp. Behind them, you you don't know what you have. I mean, you have Nick Scott, who's a very good, very good special teams guy, and will probably be at some point a Pro Bowl special teams guy, but nobody knows about his, his safety skills, and, and Jake Gervais is right now just a guy on the roster. So you, need, you had a hole to fill, maybe two holes to fill, because sometimes... They do like to put three safeties on the field at the same time, depending on what Staley's you know sub sub packages look like. But I know a lot of times with Wade, they had three safeties on the field at one time, so you needed a guy like a Burgess to come in, a guy who has ability to play a, a slot corner, big nickel back type role, um, and also be able to um, guard against the deep pass as a center field. Um, safety so he's got the ability to do both and I love this pick this is one of the jump off the couch hit hit your head on the ceiling if you have low ceilings in your apartment uh, pick because th- this pick I absolutely loved so um, that's those are my thought on uh, thoughts on Terrell Burgess Utah safety yeah I, I definitely agree but uh the, the the idea that uh, Burgess is a guy somewhat local and, you know, played at Utah. So you see a guy like that who may have been feel like he's overlooked and different things like that. But what you more likely than not are going to get out of a player like that is someone who's going to come in and compete and work and not just take things for granted because – that's what the, all they've done, you know. So I love that pick in that sense. I love the fact that he could be a true center fielder out, out there. Uh, he can come down and play in the slot as well. And so with Rap already being able to show that he can come down in the box, John Johnson can come down in the box, you know, he may be that guy that's the true uh, center fielder. Or, you know, he may be the guy that takes a, the role of uh, Roby Coleman did last year, a, a little bit bigger guy. Uh, and seems to have a little bit more knack for for getting in the mix. So that being said, uh, definitely needed some more depth at the position. 
And again, you know, if you're a guy coming in in the third round, you know, you figure, hey, man, I played against rap or, you know, seen him over there, man. I got a good opportunity to come in here and, you know, at least have that opportunity to give me some serious playing time. So all those things being said, uh, rap and, you know, is not going to be sitting on his laurels based on, oh, yeah, I started as a true uh, rookie uh, for whatever reason. Uh and it just creates an idea that everybody's going to come in and work hard. And you have some guys that are going to be young. And if they pan out for years on where you can build a solid, solid secondary with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, this and not only that, all these guys that they've picked and, and even later in the draft, all of these guys are either captains of their team. Um, they're high character guys. They're self starters. They're self motivators. They're guys that are going to really be able to thrive in an environment that in which we have now where a lot of the learning, the playbook is going to be done remotely and they're not going to have the coach in their ear and they're going to have to be able to, you know, learn that playbook, be able to translate it once they do get back on the field. And, you know, they're going to have to hit the, hit the round to hit the ground running because of the situation that we're in now. So I love this pick. He he um he's everything what Mike just said he's he's he and he's and he's talented so he's not just a he's not just a a we guy a we not me guy but he's a, he's a very very talented talented player so all right so now we can get over to Bryson Hopkins okay and this is the one I thought took a lot of heat for a guy who was pretty successful at Purdue. Mike, why, why the Heat? Why, why did the Rams? The heat, why the Rams take so much the, heat for this? The Heat is simply Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Johnny Munn. So the Heat is, hey, what are we doing? We got enough tight ends on the team already. So it's not so much a a knock against. Uh, Bryson, but it's more of, well, it looks like we have enough tight ends. Like, why are we adding another to the mix? Unless, again, that's why I said sometimes these draft picks start telling you what we don't know and what's going on behind the scenes. Typically, you think that the tight end position was something that was set. And then they draft a guy middle around, you know. So what does that mean? Uh, Is Munn out? You know, is Jared on the bubble or, you know, Higby's not going anywhere for sure? Or does this become one of these plays that you're trying to get ready for the future? Maybe we can't keep a guy like Gerald Everett. I don't know. But to me, that's what it seems like. This is looking like one of those guys they're either not happy with or they want to bring someone in to compete with one of those guys. And one of those guys may not be here when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I I think this was first of all the the player was there and 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 Hopkins was thought of as one of the top receiving you know what they call go tight ends uh, in the draft. So you had the fact that you had a guy who fits what they do in terms of a Gerald Everett type player 
in that he can get downfield against linebackers and or big safeties. Like this guy ran the second fastest 40 of all the tight ends in the draft. So he can move and he can get down the field. And I will go back to contract status. Now, part of the downside of being able to draft so well in one particular draft is that all your guys come up at the same time in their contract year. So for us, it's going to be Cooper Cup, Johnny Johnson, and Gerald Everett, and they all come up. So Gerald Everett's another one where they might not be able to keep him next uh, after next season. He might command a lot of money on the open market. So now you have a guy who gets a year in the system. He gets to learn the position because as – Mike knows as well as anybody, the tight end position is very, very difficult to learn um, because you have to not only know the pass routes, the, 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 the combinations with, with all the, the pass routes, but you have to know blocking uh, as well. So you have to, so it's, it's a, very posi- a very difficult position to succeed at when you are a rookie. So the player fell there, which was, according to Les Snead, one of the highest players left at that point on their board but you also did have the need in the sense that Gerald there's no guarantee that Gerald Everett's going to be here uh in 2021 and you have a guy who can slip easily into that position and have a year in the system already so if you take a look at this guy on 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 film I mean man he moves really easily he's he's almost like a big wide receiver uh, in the sense that Gerald Everett is, is like that as well and can get open. He, he did have seven drops his senior year, and I think they're pretty much, you know, drops where he was. It was a lack of concentration, kind of looking away before the ball was in his hands. I, I think those type of things can be fixed, but I think he has natural hands. Some of the catches he made were really, really nice. He really can extend himself over the middle especially he's not afraid to go over the middle and extend his body uh to to absorb a hit and still make the catch so i really really like i I know i'm a broken record but um i really do like this pick a lot at 136 so i again this is a, a a pick and and you know this guy maybe plays special teams in 2020 and you know they do have Johnny Munt, who they I know they like as as a more of a blocker in, in run situations where they might have three tight ends or even just uh, take out one of the tight ends and have the second tight end in, in a running situation. But you know this guy, Sean says that they're going to go to more twelve personnel this year, meaning two two tight ends on the field. So there there might be a space for him. Uh, and you never know if you have an injury or something like that. You don't have to change your scheme, right? You could you could fit this guy in. So I like this pick at one thirty six. So here's the thing. The, now, who, well, let me ask you something real quick, Derek. Yeah. Who's this guy reminds you of, of that we play twice a year? Uh, Kittle. Can I? Yep. There you go. Very good. So when Very good you play a team, comparison. when you play a team like that, and you're getting diced up by a guy. You go, you know what? Hey, maybe we need to go get us a guy like that. Yep. So this is a guy who definitely fits that bill, can absolutely run for a tight end. So you just don't know what you know McVay has under his sleeve. But when you have McVay and uh, the Frisco Colts coming from kind of that same cloth, if you will, uh, the Shanahan cloth, and, you know, McVay got going with Shanahan. So 
there's some similarities probably in thought process. And so I look at that as being probably why they grab a guy like that. So, so that, did I turn you around, Mike? Are you okay with this pick now? Well, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's just when you go overall in the sense of when you're looking at the roster, that's why I'm saying yeah. the draft kind of will tell you what direction the Rams are going in. You know, because you would think going in, tight end, they might have tried to grab a guy down in the, you know, sixth or seventh round, not in the fourth. But when you put all things into consideration, you know, thinking a guy who can run that well and was still available, they may have said, you know what, we need to switch this up because, you know, they get in and go, this is what we could do. So, uh, and again, when you're looking at the salary cap, you just always got to be prepared. You can't figure that you're going to be able to sign all your top guys every year, year in and year out. That's almost impossible. Uh, especially when so much money goes to typically the quarterback position. The thing is this, I, I look back over several conversations we had over the course of the year. And if you rewind it back to even last summer, one of the, th- one of the people I really hit on was Gerald Everett. I'm to this day, I still believer. I'm still a big believer in Gerald Everett's physical ability for whatever reason. He's just never He's never reached it. He's never reached the potential he's had. And just this last year when he started to reach it, he got hurt. We came back. He was pretty much non-existent in the Rams offense. And that's when we started hearing a lot of buzz about the Rams looking to move on from him. And well, why? Because the Rams were talking to tight ends. They were talking to various tight ends leading up to the draft, leading up to the free agency. They were talking to people left and right, and there was all kinds of different articles out there and different conversations about it. And I'm sitting there thinking, hold on a minute. You still have a guy who has all the physical tools to be a better tight end than Higby. He's faster. He's, he's quicker. He gets out on routes very well. His question mark was injury. He's more of a playmaker if he's healthy. So why the shift? Well, in the end, he just became more dependable, right? And you look at Everett's contract coming up. He's in a contract year. It's friendly for them to, if they need to cut him or trade him, they can. And not hurt them very much with dead money. So I think the writing's been on the wall for a while now. They go out there and they take Hopkins. Now you have a guy who could step in right away and become a very similar threat to what Gerald Everett can be, except here we've had numerous years of, of Everett under the contract, under the deal, and he's never quite made it. Whereas you can start new with Hopkins with four years of control, and he reminds you, of course, of Mr. Kittle. So my view in this is we're basically seeing them picking up Everett's replacement. Not months, months more of a blocker, but Everett's. He's, that might change. Maybe maybe that things don't work out that way at the end of the year. Maybe Everett's back, but the Rams are now bringing somebody in who's going, he's, he's, he's going to push Hapey some, sure, but he's going to push Everett a whole lot more. I'm going to find out what Everett's made out of and how he responds. That's just how I'm Yeah, I, I mean, just not, not, that, not, not that he needs defending, but the, the one thing I'll say about Gerald Everett is I don't know if it's, if, if it's so much a lack of his own doing as it is a function of the opportunities and because anytime he's gotten the opportunities he's he's lived up to them i mean he's had some monster games 
for the Rams in his career, and including the the Kansas City game, including um, a San Francisco game a couple years ago at home. So it, it, I, I don't think it's it's a, a, so much a, a lack of ability or, or or what have you, but more a lack of opportunity. And I think that said that he will if he and and. McVeigh has said in the offseason that they plan to focus uh, a lot on on Everett, a lot more than they have in the past in terms of the game plan. I think if he's another one like Josh Reynolds, if he has just a an average or above average year, he's going to command a lot of money on the free agency market. So I, I don't think that he's he's probably here more than another year. And, and that's where Bryson Hopkins, like you guys have both said, this is where Bryson Hopkins comes in. And at 136, uh, I think this was a, an excellent choice. So that takes us to the back end of the draft. And we're, I know we've been here for a while running this, so we're going to go a little bit faster. Jordan Fuller, safety Ohio State. That is an interesting one to me. I'll let, I'm going to back off for a second. You know I'm going to have some bias there. Steve, what's your what's your roll down on, on Fuller? <laughs> So I, I texted I texted Derek right when they made this pick because I, I wanted to get a scouting report. But I, I I've seen him obviously Ohio State's on TV a lot, so I, I have seen him. Uh, he's actually a local kid. Uh, well, he's not, but his his mom is backup singer for uh, Bruce Springsteen and uh, the Rolling Stones, and uh, his his brother actually went to UCLA uh, and played out here for a bit. So, but that all being said. Uh, he was a starting safety at Ohio State for a couple years. He was a two-time team captain at Ohio State. I think he's only the second player in Ohio State history to be team ca- voted team captain two years in a row. I might be wrong about that, but that's what I heard. Um, you know, right now he's a special teams guy, and he probably won't give them. A, he probably won't get a lot of reps at safety. But, you know, he's going to be a really good special teams guy. He's going to be a really good, uh, maybe a captain of the special teams. He's a, he's a natural leader uh, from everything uh, everybody said about him, including his coaches. Uh, he's, he's a guy that, he, you know, you want your daughter to marry because he's, he's just that kind of guy. He's just a really, really good guy and a solid, solid citizen and, and a smart, heady football player. Mike? I'm going to throw a little something, something in here now. You got two guys playing safety that are now coming into the same uh, team in the same draft. You know, one from Utah, one from Ohio State. You mean to tell me you think the guy from Ohio State is going to be like, oh, the guy from Utah because he got drafted a few spots ahead of me is better than me? Not happening. So don't be surprised if a guy like Fuller, who absolutely can get down on special teams, is going to make a push for some real playing time. Again, the Rams have done themselves a great job because you're bringing in competition with good guys who are used to being in there. One maybe having a little chip because he went to Utah, uh, and then the other one because he's played in the big Ohio State. you got to think, when he went there, they were at the pinnacle under the Urban Meyer year. So it wasn't like they weren't able to get the top safety. So you're one of those guys ended up on Ohio State and started, and you played in big games. So his uncle, I think, is Sinbad. He says he spent his time 
time out here half the summers. His brother went to UCLA, as Steve noted. So he's a guy not going to be scared of the lights. Been there, done that. So he'll just be in that position. I just see a lot of competition for all those guys now at safety where one guy is not going to be able to just say, yeah, I'm the guy. So here's the thing. And Steve, if you remember, I, I mentioned this before. With Ohio State being a school that is basically it's one it's one of the premier it's one of the premier programs in the country. They're going to attract all comers, just like Alabama will, Clemson will, so on and so forth. For him to be a captain there two years, 2018-2019, for him to garner first team all Big Ten honors. Back up a little more. He was a first-team academic All-American in 2017. He created a seminar at Ohio State. This is um, sourcing Lance Zerling from NFL.com. Created a seminar at Ohio State to educate student-athletes on sexual assault, sexual violence, and healthy relationships. This exudes two things to me that I brought up last show, and that is the Rams entered a period in their offseason, just like every NFL team, where they were not able to get out there to all the pro days to see all, do all the interviews face-to-face that they would want to do. And in a case where you need players to learn the playbook, to be trusted to get in shape on their own, to get involved in the system from distance due to the whole COVID-19 thing, you need guys who are exemplar on the field and off the field. And this is what the Rams did when they first hired McVay. Their first class 2017, they went out there and at the Senior Bowl and really just picked up on the really smart guys, the guys who are fundamentally strong, the ones who were leaders. And that's what I see in this pick. I see the Rams going after a guy who is a leader, who's very intelligent, who maybe doesn't have all the physical measurables you would want in a guy on the field starting for you. He's, he's a four six seven forty, But I will tell you this, he plays faster than what many people realize. And even though he's flawed, some of these things are fixable. Okay, One of the weaknesses that Zerlin mentioned in his scouting report was that quarterbacks manipulate him out of position with glances. Okay, well, that's something you can fix over time in the film room. With practice, okay, that, that's stuff you can fix. Needs to run through tackle attempts, okay. That's a, that's a flaw many people have. Showed issues with man coverage use in 2018. What cornerback safety hasn't had those issues? Those are all fixable things. The heavy leg backpedal is a weakness. That's a, that can be fixed. Range is something that could be a problem. So he might not be a star in this league, but is there a niche for him? Absolutely. And also... The belief, I think, with Burgess at safety and Fuller at safety as well is, for Burgess especially, he could move to corner, to linebacker. He could basically become a hybrid if they need be, kind of like a Mark Barron and sometimes what Taylor Rapp did last year. I just want to point those things out. The Rams went for versatility in this draft, in my view. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think all of their picks, uh, and as we go down the, the list, 
all of these picks really complement each other and complement what is already on the roster, um, more importantly. And uh, that's why I kind of like what I said at the top of the show was they they not only hit on really good players, they hit on on needs. And, and I think a, a second safety, uh, you know, is something that is going to be valuable to them down, down the road. And as Mike said, competition, man, that, that competition between these two guys is going to be fierce for playing time. Right. And even though they're a little bit different of a player, um, they're, they're both going to, going to be competing against each other and for, for reps. And I, I think it's, it's fantastic. Cause I think both guys can play, I think Burgess might be a little bit ahead of Fuller in terms of athletic ability and and maybe ready to to, to play right away, but they're both going to contribute on special teams, and they're they're both going to be great locker room guys. So I love this pick at one ninety nine. I know the record's broken, but there you go. All right, so we have to pick up here. It's it's about time for us to go. So let's finish this up. Clay Johnson, Baylor linebacker. I don't know as much on him, but a lot of folks were excited, uh, including the Rams, including Clay Johnson. <laughs> Mike, what did you see on Johnson? Well, that he was a three-year starter and really a four-year starter until he got hurt his senior year this past year. So a guy who goes in and starts as a true freshman, I always look at a guy like that and go – a little bit of something special and again played in good league but you know here's a guy coming off injury again and but if he can return to form again this could be another steal for us yeah agree at 234 in the draft you're you're kind of looking at that point at, at guys who can excel special teams and, and maybe down the road you know you could you could play them uh get them reps but I, I agree. This this guy's uh, when he did play, he was very very productive at Baylor. So uh, his dad's a strength and conditioning coach uh, in the league and has been in the league for a long time. And and one other note, his dad was Brett Favre's best man at his wedding. So there you go. Can't be all bad. I mean, the enthusiasm he showed—that's the kind of person you want on your team. So it's not just about um, talent. Obviously, talent matters, and you just can't go pick up somebody everybody who's excited to be there but he comes from a big you know a big program he comes from a a a place where he can kind of meld into the rams way of doing things i I like to pick uh round seven pick 248 kicker sam sloman from miami ohio there's already two kickers on the roster now we got three steve thoughts well when I when they first made the pick, I, I was a little surprised by it, considering they had just signed the other two guys. But the more I thought about it, um, I mean, in their mind, they said, and they, I guess they say this a lot, that he was uh, their highest kicker rated in the draft. And But I was thinking, well, you already signed two. Why do you need to have another? But, you know, again, we talk about competition. And you don't really know, again, in this climate, it's not like – um, they've actually brought the other two guys in. I mean, they, they probably have seen them on film and maybe they've had a coach go out there. But when you're, you're talking about a kicker, you want to be there. I, I remember John Fosso when he went to go uh, see Greg Zerline when he was in college about how the, the when the foot hit the ball, it was a different sound than what he had ever heard before. And that was something that you can't really get on tape. Uh, so maybe they're just bringing in this guy. He did make four or five field goals from over 50 yards last year. So you know he's got a good leg. Uh, I think he was uh, he was about 80, 87% on field goal percentage last year. So he sounds like he's accurate. Uh, we don't know. He's 5'8", 205, so he's kind of a, 
a squatty little guy. Uh, but, but uh, you know, maybe he can make a tackle or two on kickoffs. But sounds like he's got a, a, a pretty big leg. Mike? I would, you know, nothing more to add on that except that this this pick is definitely just those three kickers. It's going to come down to charting and practice and who makes uh, field goals or extra points in preseason. They're going to keep one of them. That's what it's coming down to. I think that they went after a guy that really had the highest, I think he had the highest PFF grade for college football and kickers last year. So it's going to be a three-way, a three-way race. Best kicker wins. Hopefully one of them impresses. And that's the Rams covering their butts. And with three picks in the seventh round, why not? Why not take a shot? Uh, and then you have the last one here, pick 250, Jermaine Ancrum from Clemson. Uh, did a solid job against Chase Young in the bowl game, in the playoff game. Overall, Mike, what do you think? Well, again, you know, I call this, you know, a value pick. You know, we definitely needed to maybe get some line play. I, I think that if we come back healthy, we're pretty solid. So there's a guy that can come in, learn the game, and then be ready to go when his number gets called. Mike? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to get my long, long arms out and pat myself on the back for this pick because – Derek, I don't know if you remember, we did the mock draft last week, and I had Tremaine Antrim uh, mocked to the Rams in the sixth round, actually. Uh, if you look at this guy at Clemson, he was all ACC last year. He's He played right tackle Clemson. He started out as a left tackle, switched over to right tackle. He's definitely not a tackle in the NFL. He's definitely a guard, uh, but he is a, a mauler, and he is actually a uh, uh, a really good power player, especially in the in the in the run um, offense. He's he's a very very good run blocker. Uh, he can he can pass protect as well. He's he he might be a little bit of a project, but you know they don't need him. To, he's not going to suit up unless there's injuries. He will probably not suit up in 2020. But this is a, a pick for depth in 2021. Uh, and if he develops, maybe he's your start uh, one of your starting guards. In 2021, but I love this pick. He um, he 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 was, um, you know, pretty much fourth, fifth round for this guy. A lot of a lot of mocks are saying so to get him at 250. Uh, I think was was a steal. And uh, at six two three fourteen, I think he's uh, he's going to be a really really solid uh, guard in, in the NFL. All right, I think that the Rams really felt like you know. He's a Clemson guy, you know, top recruit kind of area. In the seventh round, get some control over a guy you think you can develop. And this is why the Rams weren't too worried about going after offensive linemen early in the draft because they believe they can develop ones later in the draft. It's a mixed bag. I think this is where we kind of have question marks. Like the overall, a lot of people weren't happy with the with the Rams draft. And I thought it was indicative of what the Rams actually believe in. And something that I kept preaching over and over again is 22 of 27. That's 22 picks in the previous three years out of 27 are still on the roster and they're still contributing. That is a heck of a draft record. So in, ter- in terms of picking players that are going to be contributors to your team, 
the Rams are among the best in the league. Now, getting them down, coached up and developed, they've made some mistakes there, especially on the offensive line. If they can fit, if they can bridge that gap with a with an offensive line that is still pretty young, that is still developing, then all these fears about the Rams' offensive line next year are going to be for nothing. But I do understand why some people are concerned about the offensive line and why it wasn't addressed earlier in the draft when we all saw what we saw last year. Especially, we, we talk about pass blocking, but really in run blocking. And the Rams' bread and butter is not the pass, it's the run. So, I understand some complaints and frustrations, but it, you're really getting a view, like a look inside the, man, the mind of Rams management. Mike, thoughts? I definitely want to echo and agree with that. I just also want to add that, you know, he played for one of the greater coaches, Dabo Sweeney. And if we know anything about Dabo, uh, you know, solid Christian guy, runs a program down there that guys who come out of Clemson love playing for him. And so when I look overall at the Rams uh, draft, all the guys pretty much have A pluses in character. So, you know, being in L.A. has a lot of distractions. Uh, I forgot if it was you, uh, Derek, or Steve that talked about being I think it was you, Steve, uh, talking about the Ohio State player, being able to come, you know, get rid of all the distractions and be able to settle down. So when I look at a guy like this uh, coming from a great program, uh, if you look up things on, on uh, YouTube, he's one of the guys who is giving the post-game interviews, win or lose, and so, stand-up guy, coming from a good program. So, it just looks like a, a, a guy who's going to come in, work hard. And, again, if uh, the draft analysis was, you know, him being a higher pick again, you look throughout the draft, it looks like we got steal after steal after steal. So, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Yeah, he was – I'll also add, he, he was another guy who was a captain, as you pointed out, his leadership skills, Michael. He is another guy that we drafted – um, who was a captain of, of his team. So, it, you know, it's littered in our draft is guys who are captains and, and the leadership skills. So I think they did a, a, a great job in that regard. And overall, I think the Rams, I saw a couple people give them some C-plus grades, some C grades, and I've learned in the last couple of years, especially for the Rams, that you just can't give them grades. The Rams aren't thinking along the same wavelength as other teams are. What I'm looking at is, are those picks producing? And the answer is a resounding yes. So, I think you can't you can't really even try and explain everything I do now. You're going to have to wait four or five years to really break down the success of this draft class. And... And you also have to grade, grade it along with the Jalen Ramsey trade. So yeah. you can figure Jalen Ramsey into the draft grade. You could also look at their who they, what they did in, in uh, what we'll call the eighth, ninth rounds with the un, un, undrafted college free agents and, and some of those names too. And how many of those guys that, that Les Need has hit on uh, in, the, in the last three, four years. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and I think there's a couple, three guys, at least from, you know, going through the draft process in the last couple of months that 
um, that I like that they've actually picked up. So, I mean, uh, you, you kind of have to look at the totality of the class and not just the, the nine picks, but also what they've, they've done in unrestricted, I mean, undrafted free agency. And speaking of that, we, we're running out of time, so we, we will go through those undrafted free agents later this week. Um, Steve will do all will do all the research on that because I'm being lazy. Anyways, <laughs> we'll break that down, and we'll be back midweek to, to break down these undrafted free agents, folks. Thanks for joining us. If you did for our draft coverage, two of our longest shows in our history were those two draft shows, and we're at a minute, an hour thirteen tonight. Follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at One Duke Twenty Three and Steve at Rams, capital R for our home sixteen. And don't forget, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found. This will be the longest podcast we have for a while. We're going back to our normal forty-five minutes because I'm getting old and tired. So for the entire team here, for Mike, for Steve. Entire Rams talk staff. This is Derek C. Paul saying we're out of here. I'll see you midweek. See ya. This episode is sponsored by Schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.